0: the whole Beatles catalog is a coming-of-age story it's a depiction of spiritual maturation John Lennon John Lennon, John Lennon has an Aquarius has Aquarius, an Aquarius, 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 Aquarius and he's a Visionary. he's an intellectual Aquarius is a next of is is almost the opposite the opposite, opposite. The McCartney is a leo and is and his chart suggests his chart suggests George's chart conveys some darkness. 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 From things that might be dogmatic. 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 He's got a Scorpio moon. Ringo was the emotional anchor of the band. Ringo is a cancer son, and the Beatles themselves there's a technique called the composite chart, which is the synthesis of natal charts. And the Beatles themselves have a cancer sign. Ringo brought it down, oh, brought it into the everyday structure.
1: Because the world is round. Turn on your earbuds, relax, and listen to the spiritual dimension of the Beatles. Welcome back to the Spiritual Dimension of the Beatles podcast. I'm Glenn Ostland and this is episode two. And today what I'm gonna do is share with you some clips from a recording that I did with Eric. This was really the first time that we sat down to record any content for the podcast. You'll probably recognize some of the clips here that were used in the promo, that little four minute promo that we published. But it gives a nice overview of Eric's book and what this podcast is going to be. It's not complete. How could it be complete? It's so too much. Yeah, like the Beatles themselves say, it's all too much. It's so too much. There's just so much content to cover, but this is going to give you a good idea of where this podcast is going. So the first question that I asked Eric was, what do you want people to know about astrology, especially if they don't really have a background in astrology?
0: What do I want people to know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, just clarifying what the path of awakening is. I mean, that's to me what astrology reveals is our curriculum, is how we're growing. And we can see that with the Beatles and, and how they approach their curriculums and, and even as a group. Um, and so the spirit of, of it is understanding our evolution is basically, you know, what I do is called evolutionary astrology. In fact, it's about how we're maturing and growing. And so it's not about prediction. It's not about judging things as good or bad. You know, Most astrology does that. I'm violently opposed to the way most mainstream astrology is packaged and performed. Um, so navigating through you know, a lot of these initial misperceptions or distortions is just unfortunately part of the territory with astrology.
1: So if, if somebody is a big Beatles fan, but they don't really know anything about astrology, Why would they want to listen to what you have to say? Why why would they want to read your book?
0: Because it reveals a whole other dimension.
1: (laughs) Like what? What dimension?
0: What's going on at the soul level. Uh, What the soul intentions are, what the contracts are, what the spiritual dimension is in every song. You know, that's what the book is. I mean, it reveals a whole other layer of the onion that most people have no idea about.
1: Uh, and, And I think people that have this insatiable hunger and thirst to learn more about john paul george and ringo and they've read all the books and they've watched all the movies they've listened to all the songs you know they've done all the stuff but did they know the astrology because because that's that dimension that it unfolds to them that's that is so interesting to me when i was reading through your book
0: yeah how much have you read
1: read like the first two or three chapters
0: okay you haven't gotten into the chronology then no no Okay, okay. so you you need to read um, about the spiritual dimension of all these songs. You haven't even got to to the good stuff yet.
1: I haven't. Just the conversations that we've had about them.
0: Okay. Oh, wait till you do. Your mind's about to be blown apart. (laughs) (laughs) You have no idea what you're about to run into. Okay. I mean, it is a rich gourmet feast pretty much for every song, every major song at least. I mean, it's part of Beatles folklore. Of, of people investigating and researching, but they have been using a microscope lens of getting into the minutiae. We're using a telescope and we're expanding and we're looking out and we're zooming out. And that's where you have more revealed is when we zoom out rather than zoom in. We don't need to get more micro and detailed. We need to go macro and get bigger picture. And that's what this study does. And by so doing, you know, so much more is revealed. Revealed.
1: And one of those things that is revealed is the structure that's called the Ark of Awakening. Now, in the next few episodes, you're going to hear a lot about the Ark of Awakening. And Eric talks about it a little bit here.
0: The whole structure of the book is around what i call the arc of awakening yeah and the whole beatles career is this ascent this um raising of consciousness which peaks in 1966 and then it descends and it comes back down to earth and so the whole book is this journey and the whole beatles catalog is a coming of age story. Uh, it's a depiction of spiritual maturation that's basically condensed into seven or eight years. But, you know, the early catalog is very early developmental consciousness. I wanna hold your hand, and please me, love me, take care of me. It's very basic and immature. And then the maturation is profound and rapid. You know, moving from hard day's night to across the universe in just a couple years is, is an unbelievable, gargantuan leap of consciousness that occurred. And to me, uh, the point of the book is it wasn't just them getting lucky. They were tuning in they were being inspired. They were connecting in with a lot of spiritual phenomena beyond most of our awareness. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary Mary comes comes to me. And they were conduits. And then the ark descends back down to earth, and the final offerings are uh, back on the ground, um, not as inspired, but bringing what they learn to the everyday, the application back to everyday life. So it's it's just this universal depiction of spiritual awakening and the subsequent application back down into the everyday realm. It's phenomenal that the whole thing is condensed into, you know, basically eight or nine years or, or you know, for this story. And so each um, album and each song has, some place within this overarching structure that runs through the book. So everything can be looked at with that in the background. And that is based on astrological factors. Uh, The arc of awakening is based on a planetary cycle. That's very important.
1: And if I remember correctly, the two planets are Pluto and Uranus, Uranus, Uranus. You'll hear more about these specific planets soon. Eric went on to explain to me that within this arc of awakening, there are four distinct phases.
0: So, the way that the book is structured is that there's four major phases.
1: Phase one, phase one, phase one. Personality expression phase.
0: The first phase is uh, what I call the personality expression phase, which covers Please Please Me, With the Beatles, and A Hard Day's Night. And the personality expression phase is the most immature. It's uh, the most basic, uh, the most about, you know, serve me, please me, love me. It's uh, very early developmental consciousness stages um, is in the personality expression phase. And even a lot of the writing, you know, it's, it's quite adolescent, if not even childlike especially on the first album you can really see that and so like a a good example um of a song in that phase well please please me right there you know uh the first number one hit there's always rain in my heart i I need you to uh satisfy my personality preferences big theme in the Beatles is with the resolution of sadness and rain is a metaphor for sadness. I need somebody else to support me because I'm upset is the personality expression phase. Phase two, phase two, phase two, phase two.
1: Personality reconciliation phase.
0: Then the personality reconciliation phase goes from Beatles for sale into help And then Rubber Soul. And things are getting a little bit more complicated, a little bit more developed. It's still personality stuff. It's not really that much coming from the soul. But it's reconciliation. It's resolving the neediness of the personality. And so there's a lot of spiritual development that happens in the personality reconciliation phase. And Beatles for Sale is a very good example of that. Because when that album came out at the end of 1964, you know, Beatlemania was in full swing. They already appeared on Ed Sullivan. They were now internationally famous. But here they are, you know, basically writing a song about grief, uh, writing an album that has a lot of themes of grief and loss, which is the resolution of their own spiritual work. I'm a loser. I'm a loser is a good example. I'm a loser of the personality reconciliation phase.
1: And I'm not what I appear to be.
0: There's this resolution with authenticity. You know, John is writing about wanting to present his true self. I don't want to be a character anymore that uh, Brian Epstein or, or others want me to be. Although I laugh and I act like a clown. You know, he's breaking out of that and saying, this is more of my true self. Beneath this mask, I am wearing a
1: frown.
0: Uh, on Rubber Soul, there is a lot of songs about the mind, about the way we think and communicate. What goes on
1: in your mind? I thought I knew you. What did I know? For yourself, cause
0: I resolving you know our our identification with the mind um, to open further which is what happens in the transcendence phase phase
1: three, phase three phase three phase three transcendence phase
0: so the transcendence phase covers revolver sergeant pepper and magical mystery tour yeah. And also you could throw in Yellow Submarine because those songs were developed in the transcendence phase, although the album came out later. Uh, Yellow Submarine was not a real album. They didn't sit down to make that. It's just leftovers. And, but they were all created in the transcendence phase. But the three major albums is Revolver, Pepper, and Magical Mystery Tour. And that is where the most inspired Beatles' work is, is the transcendence phase. It's the most out there. It's the most where they are serving as conduits of inspiration from, you know, other sources that they were, you know, intuiting is is my view and what I read about in the book. So there are so many amazing songs in the transcendence phase that it really is the heart of the book. Uh, If we're looking at the spiritual dimension of the Beatles, those albums are the ones that have the most punch, basically. And um, everything on Revolver is saturated with meaning and pretty much everything on Pepper as well. Um, And so, you know, one good example, one handy example is Tomorrow Never Knows, which is basically, you know, a vision from the peak. You know, things are peaking at that time on what I call the arc of awakening. And here's this inspired vision From the mountaintop. And in fact, that's what John was saying. He wanted his voice to sound like he was uh, almost like the Dalai Lama or prophets, you know, speaking from the mountaintop. Uh, Which is exactly what was going on astrologically. He, you know, it was the proverbial mountaintop of, of this arc. And so... That song is an excellent example of a transcendent vision that is specifically about moving beyond the ego. You know, relax your mind and float downstream. Surrender your your mind, your story, uh, to the void, uh, to the soul, intuitive presence that envelops us, which will then inform. The colors of our dreams is what he writes about. So it's incredibly visionary message that happens here in the transcendence phase. And then it just carries on. And there's a lot of um, teachings and messages and multidimensional, understandings that actually comes through the songs when i you know explore and and illuminate the astrology for all of the various um you know songs this is where it's the most multi-dimensional there's a lot going on with pretty much everything in the transcendent. something was going on that was pretty miraculous and then it shifts. Phase four, phase four, phase four. Individuation period. And the last three albums, the White Album, um, Abbey Road and Let It Be, are in what I call the individuation period. Hey baby. And it's now far less transcendent. It's about applying the wisdom that's been attained back down into the context of everyday life so the white album instead of being very transcendent in my view the white album is very psychological it's very emotional it's very much um, you know about how we navigate on the mundane world um, there's so many nature references on the white album about being attuned to life around us, like in Dear Prudence. Uh, Look around, look around. Paul even echoes that in Martha, My Dear. same thing. He says, look around to the immediate reality. It's about a grounded spirituality on the White Album. It's about what's going on with you and me, with people, with human interaction. Um, How do we apply things to the everyday? And also the conflicts or the challenges around that. And the Beatles themselves were going through a lot of challenges at the personality level, at the everyday level, uh, because it wasn't so lofty anymore. It was now uh, that window kind of closed. And now we got to get back to dealing with, you know, being people again and personalities and, and body suits and egos. Yeah. Get back to where you once belong. You're perfect. Right. And getting back to the roots is the whole idea, which parallels this return. In yeah. fact, as I point out in the book, there's so many examples Um later on which picks up from the very same things from early on like here's one example on with the Beatles you have the song albeit it's a cover money that's what I want
1: the best things in life are free but you can keep them for the
0: best and please now give me more yes, what I want.
1: that's what I want
0: and then at the same place at the end of the um, story you've got you never give me your money you never give me your money. You only give me your funny paper. You know, picking right back up on the business thing, so you see all of this going on. I lay it all out in the book. It's a, it's pretty interesting to see. And then, of course, "Let It Be" is the goodbye, is the grand finale, and Paul talks about the whole theme of the book I'm writing, you know, about connecting with his mother in his dreams, who's inspiring music and message. That's the point of the book. And that's exactly what Paul says in Let It Be.
1: When I find
0: myself in times of trouble,
1: Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be.
0: I couldn't have written it any better, you know, what he says. He literally says, Mother Mary comes to me. Um, I wake up to the sound of music. You know, here I am dreaming. I've got music coming in and, and my mother is speaking to me, giving me a message with music. That's the yeah. point of the book. And he just lays it out there at the end. So it all gets wrapped up, you know, right at the end, you know, revealing the whole point of the book. Uh, so it's very consistent with, with Let It Be. Which I believe is a very fitting uh, grand finale um, to the whole enchilada, and so the individuation phase is coming back and being oneself in a more liberated way in a more authentic way, which is basically what the white album is about with all of that raw liberated you know self expression breaking all all these rules both lyrically and musically in the white album i mean. It it is a phenomenal expression of the liberated self.
1: So at this point, Eric has talked a little bit about astrology. He's talked about the structure of his book with the arc of awakening and the accompanying four phases. But what about the Beatles themselves? What does Eric learn from the Beatles when he looks at their natal charts?
0: You know, astrology is very complicated. It's, It's, you know, one of the things that I abhor is... Uh, popular simplifications. You know, I'm not going to just talk about John as a Libra or George as a Gemini. I'm sorry, Paul as a Gemini and George as a Pisces. It's much more complicated than that. Um, but I will say this in, in my approach, um, the moon is inherently who we are inside and even who we've been in the soul journey. And the sun is what we're becoming what we're awakening into so i use the analogy that the moon is like the acorn and the gradual development into the tree is the sun in astrology and it's not just your sun sign it's your sun profile you've got a house you've got um other planets that the sun is an aspect to it's far more than just the sign so it's a complicated discussion But to to give a little appetizer, um, John Lennon um, has an Aquarius moon and he's a visionary. He's an intellectual. Aquarius is a air sign. It's very big thinking. Um, I talk about him being a visionary um, in prior lives. But what his chart suggests is that he didn't have yet any um, clear avenue um, to put his big picture visionary perspectives into. So he incarnated as a Libra sun because Libra has to do with the arts and many other things in this chart suggest that his incarnation was about bringing his brilliance into creative form to learn how to be a performer and to connect in with the dominant social cultural milieu in order to bring unfinished visionary ideas to the collective, which is what Lenin was about. Um, McCartney is almost the opposite. And this is where it gets really interesting because McCartney is a Leo moon and he, his chart suggests that he's been a performer for many lifetimes. He's naturally an entertainer. In fact, you know, in reading Beatles biographies, you know, you you read how easily Paul picked up music, you know, like tying his shoes, I like to say. He just got it instinctually. He has an innate musical intelligence is what McCartney has. Because in my view, he's been a performer for many lives. But his chart suggests impediments to being able to realize the creative dream because of financial considerations. I need to pay the bills. I can't be a performer because that doesn't pay the bills. So he comes back to being a Gemini, which is to write, to create a body of work. And more some other things in his chart as well that are about um, developing more intuitive Capabilities. He he, I, I, I write in the book that Lenin was a visionary learning how to be a performer, and McCartney was a performer who was learning how to be a visionary, and then they blended spectacularly, creating visionary entertainment. And Paul was able to support John in learning how to be a musician. Um, Paul was more talented. Um, he was more instinctually gifted. And John famously struggled with some of the technical facets of playing the guitar. He, um, you know, he saw the guitar as a vehicle for his vision. Whereas Paul was a musician. He prided himself on being a very adept, you know, musician with his musical intelligence. Um, And so then John supported Paul and learning how to be more of an intuitive, which is what he was good at, more of a visionary. And so that was their gift. Now, the other thing going on between John and Paul is John comes in with what's called an Aries South Node, which is a familiarity with leadership and being much more self-aligned with his own power. Um Although in John's chart, it's his unrealized sense of of leadership is still more in the visionary stage than actually accomplished. But nevertheless, John um, is much more of a leader initially, and John was the leader for the first half of the chronology. Paul comes in with a much more collaborative, um, much more friendly and engaging and diplomatic way of being. Um, he was much more collaborative initially. Um, and Paul was learning how to be more of a leader. So the other way that they supported each other was John was a leader, learning how to be more collaborative. And Paul was more collaborative, learning how to be more of a leader. And so they supported each other in that way too. So it was a sole partnership to support each other with the strengths that the other one didn't have. So they learned from each other and then they synthesized with their complementary skills and strength to become arguably the best songwriting tandem in world history. And so this was the sole contract was to blend in such a way. Beware of darkness. Okay, George. Beware of darkness. Yeah, George, uh, George's chart conveys some darkness. Watch out now, take a beware of four. Um, from things that might be dogmatic. Um, He's got a Scorpio moon, and in his chart, uh, for the astrologers out there, square Pluto in the ninth house, and George has been wounded by dogma, by teachings that were not um, so conscious or empowering. Um, And so uh, the whole point of George's chart was to become... um, more philosophical um george was the uh, was the most philosophical the most learned in uh in spiritual philosophy because he was healing his karma uh that where there were some wounds with that so we all teach what we're learning uh george was uh obviously the one who brought in um eastern religion the whole trip to india um, really the spiritual conscious of the band is what he's been called. And so George's uh, contribution is more philosophical. It's more direct teachings as you find, for instance, in Within You, Without You is an excellent example.
1: We were um,
0: and the song on Revolver, Love You Too, also a good example. I would even mention the song, It's All Too Much. Inside, the to all too much to shine, Another example of teachings directly in his music. And he was also a Pisces son. So he was developing, also being a visionary, being. Uh, immersed in the direct experience of spirituality is why George was a Pisces, because you're going to get it straight from source. You don't need the middleman, the so-called authorities, the, you know, perhaps the, the religious officials that were part of his karma. Um, You know, George was here to learn how to be contemplative. And then he did. And he brought in songs that were directly about contemplative development, the inner light is specifically um, about the meditative experience. Um, is an excellent example. Um, you know, very underrated marginalized uh, song from George with going out of my door, I can know things on earth. Here he is bringing in, you know, from the Tao Te Ching and translating that into song. You know, so so George is bringing more of the foundation within spiritual philosophy, um, which George um, with, um, I'm sorry, John and Paul are, are not really as studious per se. Uh, but George was, you know, George was a student. And he studied with Ravi Shankar, not only with the sitar, but he was studying, you know, Indian philosophy right at the height of the Beatles fame. You know, that's what George did. I mean, to me, that is is unbelievable courage and individuation that at the height of the Beatles fame, he puts down the guitar, picks up the sitar and immerses himself in Eastern studies, you know, for two years, you know, basically from, you know, 66 to 68. And then he returns back to the guitar on the white album. Um, And so George was really pushing the envelope with integrating spirituality more overtly in the Beatles' music. And he had an intention in his chart um, to be more seen for who he is. Uh, He had a Leo North node, and that was in his 10th house. And what that means is he was learning to be visible, to be commanding, to be um, unafraid of being in the limelight, putting forth this very blatantly, overtly, you know, spiritual message um, in a pop band. <laughs> so he really deepened things dramatically.
1: What would you think if I sang, got it to um,
0: Ringo, Ringo is a cancer son. And me... the Beatles themselves, there's a technique called a composite chart, which is the synthesis of natal charts. And the Beatles themselves, have a cancer son and um Ringo also had a cancer son still does he's still with us of course and uh, Ringo just turned 80 uh a few weeks ago actually um here we are recording this in 2020 um Ringo was the emotional anchor of the band um with John, Paul and George being pretty much expansive with their consciousness, you know, very uh, exploratory um, things that we might call out there at times in different ways. uh, Ringo brought it down home. He brought it into, um, you know, the everyday and structure. Um, And the drums provide the structure the beat. And what he provided energetically was also the structure. And so the Beatles were a type of family with their cancer son. And Ringo solidified the family. And they referred to each others very frequently as brothers all the time. They use that language that I also use in the book. And so Ringo solidified the family. And uh, because Prior to Ringo, there was no solidification. It was only competitive. When Pete Best was in there, it was very competitive. Um, but Ringo wasn't competitive with the others, and Ringo was just supportive, and so he was the glue. Um, they only gelled when Ringo came in, and at the end, when things started to fragment, you know, Ringo temporarily left the band during the White Album sessions. You know, the glue left and things did fragment, you know, during the White Album sessions and and Ringo's temporary departure is an example of that. So, you know, Ringo sometimes is marginalized or his contribution secondary, but as far as uh, what he brought in energetically um, there is no Beatles without Ringo's uh, structure that he provided um, in this more familial way.
1: And now at this point in our recording, I asked Eric to introduce himself and talk a little bit more about who he is and why he's interested in this whole astrology Beatles thing in the first place.
0: My name's Eric Myers, and, you know, I've written this book, The Spiritual Dimension of the Beatles, and, you know, I got into the Beatles at an extremely young age. Um, My parents uh, bought uh, Beatles albums in the 60s when they were coming out, and I was born in 1971, and the albums were already waiting for me when I was a baby. And so I started listening around age four, um, I believe it was. And um, and the Beatles were simply my best friend um, as I was growing up. And I was immediately taken by them and resonated with them and, uh, and they were my favorite band when I was that young. Um, I was somehow drawn to to Sergeant Pepper most, and particularly Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite, which later on in my mid forties, I realized the spiritual significance and the astrological significance of those songs 40 years later, but I was immediately turned on as a very young child. So I didn't study the Beatles astrologically like I did these last three and a half years until my mid-40s. I would look at them from time to time. I've been an astrologer for 20 years, but I never dove in to the degree I did. So what happened was this. Um, I was actually writing a different book um, that was about 80% finished. And in that other book, it was an astrology book, and I decided to use Paul McCartney for one of the chart examples. And um, and as I'm looking at McCartney's chart, um, I started to have some thoughts of, hmm, maybe I should write a whole book just on the Beatles. That would be fascinating. So then I uh, I went into my data bank and I put up Lennon and Harrison and stars chart. And I started to look at their charts again. And I tell you, Glenn, it happened ridiculously quickly. All of a sudden I had this, the thought, I'm going to write a book on the Beatles. In fact, I don't think I'm even going to finish this other book that I'm writing. I'm going to put it aside and put it on the shelf and I'm going to start today. And it was just that quick. I had this epiphany that I'm, gonna need to do this for some reason it just seemed emergent and i was like well how fun and so that was around um december of 2016 when i had this epiphany and then for the next three and a half years i've dedicated my life to studying the beatles in many ways i've i studied the available literature you know i read you know, numerous Beatles books to get all of the background detail. I mean, I've read some before, but I never read, you know, 40 Beatles books, which is what I did. And then I mainly um, just got into the astrology and I looked at everything astrologically, you know, not only their natal charts and all of the interactions amongst them, uh, between them, but the astrology for all of the songs and the albums and all of the events, um, all the major events in their chronology. um, And I just became, you know, consumed uh, by it all. And it just all came together, no pun intended, uh, into this kind of synthesis of many threads that went to a much broader whole that I discovered, an overarching dimension that was also going on that informs the familiar story. That's pretty much what revealed itself to me. I had no agenda going in on what I would find. I had complete openness. I was like, you know, let it speak to me. I had no idea where it was gonna go. And as I say in the introduction, I am surprised as the reader might be to where it went. It was not in any way, uh, you know, preconceived. Uh, In fact, I was shocked with what emerged. (laughs) And in fact, I had to rewrite the book because I kept on um, seeing more elements, more uh, strands, more threads. Uh, And I use that language in the book. The threads started to become more clear to me as as I continued to go on. So I had to continually update the book. Uh, because it was so fresh, everything that I was discovering and weaving together. So to me, I've been an astrologer for 20 years, over 20 years, and I've been a Beatles fan for over 40 years, probably, I guess, now 45 years. And this book is like the synthesis of my two great passions of basically music, particularly the Beatles and astrology. And I just brought it all together um, and – and created this, this very uh, fascinating study of the Beatles from a spiritual view.
1: And for this final segment, Eric tells us about one of these little yummy, juicy gems that he found as he was doing all of this fascinating research.
0: So one of the things that emerged that I was not you know, planning for, anticipating, but there's uh, 10 different lyrical threads, that run through the entire catalog of songs. Um, I break it down into five major threads and five minor threads. And what they are is the major threads. Um, you have the solar thread, um, the sun.
1: Stars
0: You know, here comes the sun, sun king, um, etc. Anytime you have the sun being talked about or anything related to the sun um, is part of the solar thread. And so there's actually 38 songs that have some kind of reference to something solar. And what I discovered is that each of the solar songs, um, reveals a different facet of the idea of spiritual awakening, um, in some kind of way. Um, and so we can understand the solar thread as revealing teachings. And my view is that these teachings were inspired, um, from things that are beyond, they are conduits for this inspiration. Um, And they were teaching directly about the sun. And they sung about the sun with reverence repeatedly. And it is probably the central, the most major thread. And the sun has to do with awakening into the soul self. And the solar thread can be looked at in such a way. Um, A good example of a solar song, I won't use an obvious one, um, but I'll use one that is uh, I think quite relevant. Uh, the song The Word off a of rubber soul. Have you heard the word in love? It's so fine. It's, it's, so fine. It's, it's so fine, it's sunshine, it's the word love. Uh, directly speaking about sunshine and love. And teaching about that connection is part of what that song is about. In- lot more i could say about the solar thread but we're going to keep it rolling the second major thread is what i call the dream thread and the dream thread i believe has 43 songs it's the most populous thread of all and it's complicated Uh, there's many different types of dream usages that are part of this thread it's not just when the word dream is mentioned which is quite often Uh, more than people would imagine. The word dream appears in many Beatles songs, but it's broader than that. The dream thread is the idea that we're existing in our own subjectivity, where life itself is like a dream. And the idea of spiritual awakening is to be more conscious of what we're, quote, dreaming, what we are projecting out in our solar radiance, our own consciousness goes, is projected out. So one, one example, I mentioned George and his philosophy. Uh, obscure song, I know, but uh, for the Beatles fan, uh, the song, It's All Too Much, uh, George mentions, show me that I'm everywhere, but get me home for tea. Show me that I'm everywhere. The idea that we project our consciousness onto the entire canvas of life is the dream thread. Another handy example of a dream song, Strawberry Fields, Forever. Always know, sometimes think it's me. Where John says explicitly. But you know, I know when it's a dream. You know, I see um, that I it was a dream. You know, we're misunderstanding all we see. Uh, but you know, I know when it's a dream. And so he's basically saying, you know, I can see through that I am existing in my own interpretation of events in my own version of what's going on um, is the dream idea um, is to see through our inherent subjectivity. And I see you nodding your head, Glenn, cause you write about it in the bathing with God and, <laughs> and talk about it. And this is, you know, a very spiritual kind of concept, but that is woven throughout the Beatles catalog is becoming aware of the dreamlike nature of existence. The third thread, third major thread is the death thread. And I, I comment in the book that, you know, for a band that's noted for their lively, upbeat energy, they sure do got a lot of songs that mention death. They got 30 death songs and death is, is more specific to this soul group, whereas the solar thread and the dream thread are more universal around spiritual awakening. But this soul group has a lot of issues with death. In fact, John and Paul losing their mothers as teenagers um, is discussed as the defining events of their childhood and something that has influenced Beatles songwriting probably more than anything else is death Stu Sutcliffe also died Brian Epstein also died some other more minor characters in the story also died but death is huge in this soul group and in this story and they sing about issues of death repeatedly, a good death song is In My Life John is singing about some are dead and some are living. And he's coming to terms in the personality reconciliation phase with death. That's what that phase was about. In My Life is a death song regarding that. The, another major thread is the uh, dark songs uh there's about 35 dark songs and in contrast to the solar thread we have the dark thread and these are basically songs that mention night shadow black and those are generally the words and there's again 35 songs so there, there's a lot of, of death songs
1: a lot of death songs and a lot of threads five major threads five minor threads you've heard a few of them here You'll hear more in episodes to come. We were talking about the spiritual dimension of the Beatles. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Dimension of the Beatles podcast with Eric Myers and me, Glenn Ostland. If you like what you just heard, please give us a five-star rating and write a nice review for us on iTunes. You can also like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Look for Eric's book, The Spiritual Dimension of the Beatles, coming sometime in early 2021. And while you're waiting, why not go check out my book, Bathing with God, which is available on Amazon.com. Or you could go listen to my other really great podcast, also called Bathing with God. And hey, if you've got a question that you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, find us at our Facebook page. Or simply email us at spiritualbeetles at gmail.com. That's spiritualbeetles at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, because in the end, the love you take is equal. You know the rest. Um.